2: Welcome to the Blackpool New York podcast, which is recorded by Newsstand Studio at Rockefeller Center in the heart of Manhattan and is distributed by the Swell Season Surf Radio Network. All right. And we are back. Episode number three. And today's meat-covered skeletons are Cosmo Himata, Cassius Luber, and my son, Miles Wachstetter. This is a special episode because it's the third episode. And three, as we know, is a magic number, like the song goes. (laughs) And I think it's really special that we have Um, three young men that are exceptional young men coming into the studio to share some of their thoughts on where they're at in life and things that they're interested in. And, you know, maybe some direction as to where they see themselves going, because it's a really pivotal point in their lives where they're sort of making this transition from um, teenage years into adult years and really discovering who they are as young men. And, Um, They all have a fantastic story to tell. Not that they're each going to tell their own individual story, but um, they're three good friends, they're three beautiful humans, and welcome, guys.
3: Thank you for having us. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Dad.
2: Yeah, why don't you guys just Uh, go down the line real quick and introduce yourselves real quick.
3: Who wants to start? I'll start. I'm Cosmo Hamada, and I'm 18 years old, and that's it.
4: (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) For now. (laughs) Perfect.
5: Um, I'm Cassius Luber. I am recently nineteen years old and am stoked to be on this podcast. Right on.
6: I'm Miles Walkstetter, uh born and raised in New York and I'm just hyped to be here today. Right
2: on, right on. So like quick real quickly, um Cosmo and Cassius have known each other a pretty long time, right?
5: Yeah. I'd ten, say so. ten years fifteen years for, uh more than that five years, five years, five years, but okay. for the amount of time I've been living, that's a long time,
2: yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. so in ratio of life to cosmo experience it's been it's been a bunch a big and portion, then miles, you met Cassius, I'd say like three years ago,
6: yeah summer twenty nineteen yeah
2: summer twenty nineteen mm. and uh the three of you guys went to Hawaii together this past summer, right
5: we did yeah
2: how did that experience go
5: Whew! I mean. As you can imagine, Hawaii is a magical place, so, I mean, it was a crazy kind of time warp since the, the flight's so long, it takes 10 hours from New York to get there, and once we were there, we were so dazed and, like, confused, and we looked outside and there's palm trees, and, like, the first initial response I had was just, like, I couldn't even fathom that I was with my best friends in Hawaii. Um My family... My mom lived in Hawaii as a kid, and her family has property there, so we were able to stay on their property. And like the fact that I was with my best friends going to see my family in Hawaii was like so crazy, and I was so tired. And um, the first day was so fun. I mean, they can they can uh, take my back. It was like we landed. It was raining. It was warm. Like my uncle picked us up. We were also tired and we like the first thing we really did we got food, but then the next thing we did was go to his um what is what was <laughs> he, what was it called? Um like I don't a, know how you would describe that. It's like a it's Where did like, it, we go? a temple of some sort that he built. Like oh a my Buddhist God. temple <laughs> and it but, has
3: but wasn't it also some sort of residential plaza?
5: Yeah, they, they used to live there, but it's uh, a thing he built and um like basically it's a huge Buddha and then you walk around the Buddha and there's all these, I forget the name, but they're like cylindrical things that you spin and you walk around it. And so like, that was the first thing we did. And it was like, I feel like that was a good representation for my trip. Cause every day was just so like random and crazy and like amazing and filled with so much love. And like, it was such a, it was an awesome trip. Wow. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah.
6: Yeah. I would add on to that by saying that every day was crazy, but, We also had um, a lot of structure to it. Like we would usually wake up in the morning, um, eat breakfast at home or go somewhere and get breakfast, then do an activity. But every single day we'd always end the day at the skate park, the Kapa'a skate park. And that was like, we made sure that every day we went there and we made it like almost a ritual where we would just show up and Mm -hmm. just skate and just become familiar with all the local people. And it was great.
2: So basically you took three kids from New York City Well, not from New York. One kid from New York City and two kids from the east end of Long Island. Yes. And dropped them on the island of of Kauai. Yes. In terms of just like cultural differences that you would experience there, was there any sort of common thread that you were able to use to connect yourselves to the locals or people that you met at the skate park or... You know, people that you met at shops. Like, do you want to talk Cosmo? Was there any experience that stands out to you where you just really felt that despite that you came from a different part of the world almost, there was just some sort of connection or resonance mm-hmm. with you?
3: We went to the skate park eight out of get the eleven right days. Right on the microphone, like talk right into it. Don't right get, here. there you go. We went to the skate park eight out of the eleven days we were there. And um Skate parks can be sort of daunting sometimes you know you don't know you don't know people you don't know what people are about but it was really really clear what people were about at the Kapaa skate park and I think that's why we were there so much. Like what, we were,
2: were, what were they about?
3: They were about skateboarding and they're about the community that came with it and that was something that we knew well enough in our hearts to be there and feel like family. That's great. Mhm. It was awesome and Every
6: time you go to the skate park, you would always see the same people there. It was the same cast of characters. Like, mm-hmm. there was a really strong community there within skateboarding. And um, the same people would be there all the time. So you knew, like, if you were going to go to the skate park, you would have homies there already to go and skate with.
2: That's so great. I love how skating just has such a. Um a welcoming culture around it as opposed to surfing oh where my gosh. you show up at a break and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, get out. Like they don't know you and you just get the stink eye immediately. Whereas like at the skate park, you know, if you roll up in a beginner and you know, you land your first drop in on the quarter pipe and everyone just starts clapping and going bananas for you. It's like this real sense of community where everyone's accepted.
5: Yeah, totally. It's so funny you say that. Cause also like you wouldn't imagine that, but like, it's so true. Like me, I don't skate much, but they skate much. So they kind of got me more into it. And like the skate park is such a more friendly, like loving, um, like place to hang out rather than the ocean. And it's way more communal and you don't expect it. But like, if you start to talk to someone, like they're so nice and they're so cool. And they've been, all everyone's been like through the same struggle and like development stages that you have. And there's like the people that are better look at the youngins and like they see them and they're, like, I feel like they, they probably like imagine themselves as little kids and they're just so supportive of people. And I thought that was super cool. doesn't yeah. matter what you look like, where you came from, anything about that. If
6: you're in love with skateboarding, then you just already have that baseline and you can get down with somebody else and just that kind of connection transcends all types of um, identifiers.
2: It that's a, it's, it's pretty powerful when you think about it. You know, you roll into a skate park. You could be in, you know, uh, Kyoto, Japan or Kuala Lumpur, <laughs> Malaysia or you know, Mm -hmm. Cape Town, South Africa or anywhere and show up at a skate park and just find people that are sharing, you know, a common interest with you.
5: Totally. You don't even have to speak the same language. You could like totally be like language locked. Like some person could be speaking Japanese. You don't know a lick of Japanese and you only know English, but you both skate and you both know the struggle.
2: I'm sort of like backing into it here, but that experience that you guys had in terms of life metaphor like being taking a trip without any parents around, you're on the other side of the world and you're connecting with total strangers through the medium of skateboarding. Mm-hmm. You can kind of take those experiences that you're gonna have in life with whatever it is that you're interested in and find this nice connectedness with people you would never fathom that you would have any sort of connected, connection with mm-hmm. in whatever it is that you're interested in. So, I, I mean, listen, as a human, driving a meat suit <laughs> yeah. cruising around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour it makes me optimistic on humanity because there's things out there that we're just calm that we have common you know share commonality with and we have common interests that bring us together totally that's good stuff so keep keep skating in random skate parks and getting out there and being with the people
5: yeah be kind of someone else you know show up show what you're there for and you totally receive some love for sure
2: so, Cosmo, um, can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, your family? Because I know you have an interesting story with your, your dad who does something non-conventional for a living.
3: Yeah. So my dad, my father, Hiroyuki Hamada, is an artist. He's a sculptor, painter, and he makes prints. And it all sort of comes from his notebooks that are just full with like abstract forms. And he'll take a drawing that sort of looks like A spaceship or something and he'll turn it into a 70 pound wall piece that's that's made from then it looks like it weighs like two tons but it's made from a structure of wood and styrofoam and resin so two people can lift it and he does it all in a studio that's walking distance from my house and um he was born in japan and came here when he was 18. And uh, met my mom at a residency called McDowell, and she is uh, she's American. And uh, his English was not very good when they met.
2: What was it that that brought them together? What do you think that connection was? I don't know, really. But even like to this day, like you know, you've you've lived with these humans your entire life. Like, what is the connection there? Like, you know, love. Awesome. Good answer. Nice and simple. Where'd your parents meet, Cash?
5: Uh, pretty positive they met in New York. Um, my dad's from New York, born and raised, and um, my mom has lived many places, that of like Indiana, a lot of states in America. She grew up a lot of her portion in Hawaii, um, and then when she was younger, she uh, she's a model, or she um left Hawaii when she was younger, maybe like 15, 16, and started to like go out and do castings. And so she kind of like lived her own separate life at a really young age. And she was doing that for a while. and she was in New York and my dad, being from New York, um, he they met. I think she was somewhere maybe like 19 or 20 and I don't know how old he was, but he had a club called Frankie Jackson's Soul Kitchen which was a proper proper dance club. Like Roy Ayers was there performing, like amazing live artists, really awesome vibe, like super simple, just sticky wings and Colt 45 and really good music, dance all night. And he did that for a really long time. And I don't really know exactly where they met. I know that she had um, a boyfriend at the time that they met and it waited like a year. And like my dad was finally like, man, I'm sorry, dude, but... I just I don't see this working out for you. Like, <laughs> I I know that we're going to be together for a long time, and we, I'm sorry to break it to you this way, but I don't think she's your girlfriend anymore. <laughs> and ever since then, I think maybe 27 years now they've been married. That's awesome. Dude,
6: you hit him with the, I don't think this is going to work out for you. <laughs> <laughs> Miles,
5: anything you wanted to know about your mother and I? Uh,
2: <laughs> I feel like I know a lot of it already. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Cosmo's got this copious little notebook here that's mysteriously like hiding mm. on the what's what's what do you what do you got going on in there?
3: It's there just in case. Spells. I need to put something from here to there. Nice and got bring you. it into the material world. Do you
2: take notes on everything pretty much? Yeah. Actually, you know what? This is really interesting. I know that Miles and his homies, they use their phones to take like digital notes when they hear something, or mm. there's like a sound bite that they want to keep. What were the last What's the last two sound bites that you wrote down on your phone
6: in my notes? Let me check. Yeah.
2: And then if you write notes down, what was like the last two things that you wrote down in your notebook that you were like, wow, this is really notable. I got to remember this and I want to reference it again.
6: Actually for a poetry project, um, I was tasked with finding a phrase from somebody random on the street and incorporating that into a poem. Mm -hmm. So I was walking down the street and I saw this like random guy holding a beer walk up to this dude loading boxes into a back of a truck they had no idea who they were. And just randomly, the guy holding the beer goes, you probably don't even know what's going on, but I'm counteracting their technology with intelligence. And then just leaves immediately. No way. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I need to write that down right now. What That's a awesome. Sound yeah. That's a really good one. What was the other one you have in there? Oh, the other one was um, I was sitting in this park uh, skating. Um, and it's directly next to a public school. And it was right when all these kids were getting out of school. And um, they were all sharing snacks with each other that they had just bought from the Dwayne Reed around the corner. And um, one of the kids wanted to take the snacks from another one. And the kid said, I was feeling down and those things always make me feel up. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I I need to write that down too. There's definitely more meaning to that phrase than that kid realizes. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like
2: I don't know if you guys have listened to me to sort of banter on in some of the other podcasts, but I'm always talking about how the universe has your back, and it's just sending you these signals all day long, all the time, and how you choose to acknowledge them and or interpret them, you know, has can have profound meaning. most definitely. yeah. so you can hear like a little sound bite or of something and you're just like, wow, yeah, and the the person saying it doesn't have any idea what the con con the context of it is, but you can it's almost like, the universe is using you to become some sort of conduit to share information or to wake somebody up or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so the, the other really- day I was in uh, Amagansett and I was having uh, I was having lunch with my wife and there was this guy sitting outside with his dog and he was reading a book that I had just finished reading on trauma. It's called The Body mm-hmm. Keeps Score. It was a fantastic book. and I was commenting to my wife. I'm like, how random is that? That there's this random book on trauma that someone's reading outside at this cafe. And the woman who's at the, bartend, the bartender there said, I just experienced a trauma. What was the name of that book? I would love to know more about it. Mm. So she went outside. She took a picture of the book. But I kind of feel like I, the universe was using me as a conduit to get that book to her.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, And you just if you're open to those kinds of experiences and just... Letting just open to flow in general. That yeah. stuff happens all the time,
6: for real. Um, especially with the the poetry project, I noticed that once I kind of opened my mind to the possibility of wanting to hear these phrases, they started popping up everywhere. But beforehand, like walking down the street, everyone's just in their own lane, in their own little world, just doing their own thing, just really not keyed in to what everyone else is doing, and just like doing their own thing completely.
2: How much of your day do you spend, you know, not in your own head? I mean, think about it. You know, you guys are all teenagers, and there's a lot going on upstairs. Do you sort of—are you able to just sort of turn that off and experience whatever it is going on in your life at the time?
5: I've been—we live out in—I uh, I live in Amagansett, which is, like, right next to East Hampton. And, I mean— we have so much nature around us and right now it's springtime and like it's pretty quiet where we are like my main homie who's out there is Cosmo and like he's working like so I have a lot of like time on my hands usually and you know I think but so I've been like recently going on these nature walks and just kind of like flowing with it and walking and like just kind of like instead of like thinking and like filling my mind with thoughts just kind of like emptying it and walking and
2: let's go ralph waldo emerson
5: <laughs> for real and it's so therapeutic and like i don't know yeah i mean i kind of i kind of digressed i kind of forgot where this conversation started no, it's good.
2: You're, that's perfect because you're, we were talking about opening your your mind up to being mm-hmm. empty and as miles was saying everyone's sort of walking around only seeing their hand in front of their face Yeah, yeah and missing the signs that are out there
5: yeah totally and yeah i mean to get bring it back to that like if you open yourself for the possibility to hear these things, they come to you. I believe like he was saying with poetry and all this stuff, like you just have to be accepting and like open-minded and things can totally happen. The universe is crazy. (laughs) Yes, it is.
3: Yeah.
6: And I feel like with opening your mind, there's a lot of um, activities you can do to do that. Like, I mean, Cosmo can attest to this with skateboarding or sports. Like when you're, so hyper focused on an action or activity, nothing else matters, mm. and it's harder to open your mind when you're not doing anything and when you're trying to just sit
3: still. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think often, for at least me, it takes something that's bigger than yourself to exit whatever sort of negative headspace you're in and to try and change your trajectory.
2: How do you? How do you do that? What's your thing?
3: I feel like I have a lot of things because I have a lot of free time and I'm always looking for new things to do. But for sure, nature is the biggest thing that I, that any of us could ever hope or dream for. For
2: that's pretty awesome that resonates with you guys. Because I mean, so Miles was born and raised in New York City. You know, you guys have spent most of your you know lives on the East End of Long Island, where there is a lot of nature. Not having that element of natural environment and surroundings in your life miles is something that you just, it doesn't, it's just not there, you know? However, I mean, like walking over the Brooklyn bridge or, you know, going to the skate park at the, at the LAS, Mm. it's not like the the nature resonates, but doesn't have to be in nature per se. No
5: way. It's just
2: finding that flow, like wherever you are, like we can find it right here, right now in this studio.
5: Like the positive healing flow of whatever you're like, I feel like nature is healing. So, like, if you have an event or a hobby that you do that's for healing and for joy, that same type of flow that you can lead like, get healed by nature can be the same thing that you're channeling through yourself if you're, like, drawing or if you're an artist or if you're a skater and you're skating. Like, that same feeling is still there. You don't necessarily have to be in Yeah, a I 100% place. agree
2: with you because, like, every every study that I read and all that, just spending more time in nature is good for your uh nervous system. I mean it's good for your overall general well-being and health. So as much time as you can spend in nature, do it. Go for it, you know. And even yeah. like even if you're in an um you know a very urban surrounding, just going out, you know, or going for a walk or going for a run or whatever, even though it's an urban setting, just you're, you're still getting fresh air, you know. You're still going to see trees and stuff, so totally one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about, and you don't even have to, you can just say, let's skip if, if it's just not, you know, anything you even want to talk about is you're sort of at a pivotal point in your lives where, you know, Cosmo and Cash are pretty much done with school. High school's over for them. Miles mm-hmm. is finishing up in a couple months. In ter- do you guys even think about this as like a pivot point in life or is it just all right, I finished school and I'm going on to the next thing and, you know, there's not a lot of introspection on it.
5: Um, well, I've had the fortunate chance to take a gap year and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's a taking a year off in between you going to school, to college and from graduating high school. So luckily I was able to uh, defer for a year and still keep my enrollment in the school I'm going to in August. And I kind of took that decision on like a loose end, but I just felt right. And I I knew that I had the, I can either just hang with my family or have friends out in the world who I can go and learn stuff with, which I'm super fortunate for. And I just kind of decided to do that since I've been in school for so long. And I have to say that doing that has been so awesome because I've been able to like get out of the flow of being in school and grinding every day and like doing my homework and getting on grades and I've just been kind of relax. But once you relax in life, like in the real world, real world stuff comes in and like a whole new realm of teaching comes into your life from like responsibility to, you know, have it like realize like humility, realizing like the world doesn't center around you or like all these things that you don't really realize when you're in a school scenario cuz it's so controlled and you mean you're not the center of the Lubriverse? <laughs> no. <laughs> the center of the luberverse. <laughs> exactly. And um so like I've been able to take this break and from taking this break I now have like been able to look at the school I'm going to in the future in a whole new view. It's not like oh I have to go to school. It's like oh sick, now I can go somewhere and learn. So, uh,
3: what about
2: you, Cosmo? You're getting introspective as to like the next chapter of life and what that holds in store for you, young man?
3: Always. Always. (laughs) I see it as a moment to start to accept responsibility because we're not at a stage where we're really responsible for other people yet. But we're definitely responsible for ourselves. Like, we're our own parents at this point, or at least we should start to be. So that when we do go out into the world, we can we can take care of ourselves.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And part of that is just like being comfortable with like, I don't know, I'm almost 50 years old, you know. So I'm just learning now that just being honest with yourself is such an easier way to go through mm-hmm. life. And part of that means just not being afraid to be vulnerable. You know, like I fucked something up. Uh, I'll admit it you know like or just like just uh, just sheer honesty like or not being afraid to say like I'm really good at that That's what I want to do. Yeah.
3: Honesty is always the path to what's true within yourself Yeah, And like if you follow honesty, you'll always you'll always find something within yourself that resonates And will guide you somewhere like I think honesty is the path to guidance within yourself Whoa
2: <laughs> Cosmo dropping knowledge <laughs> spend more time with these two miles journey
5: inwards <laughs> who makes that track ltj yeah ltj, L-T-J.
2: L-T-J. bookum journey inwards ladies and gentlemen for your listening pleasure maybe that'll be the theme song for this uh this podcast yeah yeah because the guy who the produces flow. them shout out to tyler always likes to throw a song in on the front so we'll throw that in there it's a good vibe what about you miles you're up introspective transitioning
6: I think that I agree with a lot of what Cosmo said. It's, um, it's a time of responsibility and kind of um, coming to this fact that no one's coming to save you. And you really have to save yourself in these scenarios. Um, and I think that a way of saving yourself is being honest with yourself and taking accountability when it's necessary. But also like um, leaning into things that you love to do as well.
0: It's all part of the New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes,
1: insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause, and MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
4: Let's talk about Medi Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medical better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.
5: And now, back to our show.
6: Would you guys, would you guys say overall that you're you're optimistic about the future? Oh, 100%. Definitely. You have to be optimistic about the future. I mean, what what if you if you are negative about the future, then negative things are going to come out of that scenario.
5: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. You have to be
3: optimistic. Yeah. It's just like the, it's like thinking about what you want to hear on the street is the same as thinking about what you want down the line in life.
6: The kind of energy that you put out into the world is the energy that you're going to receive.
5: Boomerang.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Keeping that optimistic
2: vibe and finding that optimistic flow even in know the darkest moments of your life or when things just really are not going your way you can shift the narrative and a lot of times that's when you get really honest with yourself and call yourself out on why you're thinking the way you are and you can change the station to the optimistic station and all of a sudden things start vibing again
6: uh, yeah I was thinking the same thing optimism doesn't mean lying to yourself it means being true with yourself and being honest is there anything that, that yeah. that's? I'm sorry. Do you guys want to say? It?
5: No.
2: Is there anything that really scares you about the future?
6: Yeah, mm. I would say um, losing connection with people that I love. Because mm. um, there's so many people that are so involved in my life now, and I feel that just naturally as as time goes on, like I'm gonna separate with those people, and I really wanna take advantage of the time that I have with them now because I know that in the future it's. They're just not going to be as big of a part of my life.
5: I haven't even thought about that. (laughs) Got to take a break. (laughs) Well, one
2: of the things you guys have going for you is that, you know, the (laughs) technology just keeps compounding on itself, and it's so much easier to stay in touch with people. I mean, even just think of the concept of, like, a group text. You know, you can have like you guys, I'm sure, have a little group text going where if you hear a song or you have a picture or something that you see just resonates with you. Yeah, totally. You could be anywhere. And all of a sudden, like you're with people, though. Yeah. Like on the way up here, like there's two homies in San Diego. Shout out to (laughs) Stephen Blair and my buddy John in Connecticut. Like, I don't know. I'm listening to some like crazy remix of a song that i made everyone listen to at work like 15 times in a row <laughs> and i was like you guys got to hear this <laughs> yeah and you're right there they're with me you know mm-hmm. so i wouldn't be too um concerned about losing connection with people speci- especially like if your friends are your real friends and you're really connecting with them people change is one thing but they're always going to be your friends and you cannot see them for years at a time and pick up right where you left off yeah that's when you know that you've found like a true friend. You know? I
5: mean, Miles and us, like Cosmo and I, live in East Hampton, which is two hours away from the city. Miles is in school for the for his year. He's grinding right now in school in New York. I haven't. I think the last time I saw you was like, I don't know, winter, which win-
6: was like four months ago. So yeah,
5: four months ago, and like uh, the moment I saw you, I was like, uh, like doesn't didn't even matter. Like be back. <laughs> doesn't even matter. Yeah, friendship's yeah. real. So.
2: So can you guys um, please describe to me, in your own words, the concept, the idea of marbles?
3: Ooh. I knew this one was coming. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's, taking the, who's taking the mic? I think Cosmo should take it. All right. Marbles is what we go by. It's like the name of our crew, and it's not even for anyone else. It's just so we have a name to represent ourselves that we know and love and resonate with. Yeah. And like, I don't know, something about it. Cassius came up with it. We were riding our bikes, and he was just like... Dude, I've got it.
5: Because like we were originally <laughs> like, it's like we, for me, I have tons of projects in my mind that I want to do, and like I want to include these two. So we were like, I think they originally we coming up with like a zine or something, and um, we were like, oh, we need a name, and it was also like, oh, it'd be cool to have a name for all the stuff that we do, and from that, like it, camp- it encapsulates all of us. The name, I mean, the name. I was just looking at marbles one day. I was sitting at my desk and I was like saying, "I said the word marbles," and I was like, "Huh, oh, that's a nice ring to it." And I said it again. and I was like, "Ooh, I like that." And then I shared it with them, and they liked it too. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's just like the mark that we put on stuff is classified for me at least as like marbles,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of what it is.
5: Yeah, it could be like a poem that Miles makes.
6: Yeah. Yeah, it's any um, artistic form of expression. That's just what Marbles is. It doesn't have to have um, a strict label. Uh,
2: I don't know if anyone listening was lucky enough to catch the uh, Marbles DJ set at the Montauk Beach House last summer where these three lads pulled up and just absolutely destroyed it playing some of the most insane, like, Mm -hmm. rare groove, weird, avant-garde music. I mean, like... So Cassius's dad has a pretty insane record collection. How many records does he have about, if you had to just estimate? Oh, man. Uh, it's like over 10,000, 20,000? Yeah,
5: probably. I mean. These guys
2: went into the stacks know. and yeah. just pulled random pieces of vinyl and it's then checked them out. I mean, I heard some stuff I never heard before, and there was a woman who's a friend of ours who actually does A&R in the music industry listening, and she me aside she's like these guys are destroying it right
3: now <laughs> yeah
5: <laughs> that was super fun so, so keep your
2: eyes peeled people for the uh, marbles dj set happening which might be happening might not be happening they keep you on your toes these Most, guys yeah
5: yeah
3: yeah it's really anything we do like i made some postcards to send out to friends and family and i put it in the copyright in this in the subtext and um we have a garage sale coming up and it's gonna be uh marbles
2: all right, we'll put we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, there's a,
3: there's a Marbles logo,
2: so.
5: Oh yeah, yeah, and Cosmo made it it's super 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 good. That's awesome.
2: Um just throwing this out there, can you tell us about the Miles had a little poetry experience today? <laughs> yeah. That was kind of cool. Like it was a very proud dad moment for me. <laughs> Do you even have the poem on you? Is it on your phone? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Will you read it for us? Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I the poem it. is fire, so. Yeah. This, thank you very much for yes. doing this. I'm totally putting him on the spot right now. but
6: Okay. All right, this is a poem I wrote a few weeks ago. It's called The Gumball. I lie here amongst my sisters and brothers amidst different flavors and colors, sitting around one by one waiting for our time to come until we morph into our future self, a nasty, chewed-up, stringy piece of gum. My shiny armor protects me and respects me giving me a body to ensure mobility and in the middle of the night tranquility all of our fates are inevitable but at least for us gumballs it's equitable if only my armor was impenetrable like a keychain fruit or a glass vegetable but what kind of life would that be to deny my purpose and live carefree rolling through the streets of new york weaving in and out of tracks there's so much to do my mind can't even keep track a quarter slips into the slot i slip into the chamber I believe my time has come, but I no longer feel in danger. My body is dismembered, but it's really kind of fun. I finally gained a new existence as a beautiful piece of gum. Yeah!
5: Wow!
6: Mind blown!
2: What did you think of that <laughs> one, Joe? Yeah, that was beautiful, man. Thank you so much for Miles. doing that.
6: Yeah, of
5: course. thank you. Yeah, thanks, Miles. Wow! Wow! What was the uh,
2: the poetry class like that you had this semester?
6: Poetry class. Um, it's just been a. It's been a great experience to just be able to write and be able to write creatively because I'm the kind of kid where, I hate analytical writing. It's something that's never come naturally to me. It's something that's always been a struggle, and being able to be in an academic setting and write not in an analytical manner has just been such a gift, and it's allowed me to tap into different sides of myself that I hadn't been able to tap into before, like different emotional, um, sides and Mm -hmm. sectors.
2: It's really cool. You know, and it's such an important thing to keep in mind, like sort of as you move through the different stages of evolution in your life to have those kinds of, you know, uh, vehicles available to you. So you can get introspective and do things. Is there anything, um, that you guys do like artistically that, Sort of gets you into that headspace,
3: the flow state. The flow state,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know skateboarding is big for you. You know, yeah. you used to practice. How many hours a day would you practice at the Amagansett skate park?
3: To this day, like three.
2: No, no. When you were like, you had like your mom used to drop you off at the skate oh. park. At like what two in the afternoon and pick you up at seven or eight. So yeah. like five six hours a day every day for for <laughs> how long?
3: Yeah, for I don't know how long.
2: Years, two years. Like it was a long time. Yeah. You kind of get good at skating if you're gonna spend that much time, you know, mm-hmm. at the park on that yeah. thing. Yeah. And or a lot at least of times, you like, fall in love with it. and a lot of times, like solo too, right?
3: To this day.
5: <laughs> <laughs> but now yeah. there's little groms that he skates with, and like. It's, it's cool to watch.
3: Yeah. Right. I have a few friends, like, sprinkled out on the East End that I skate with, and those relationships are really, really special to me.
2: That's awesome. So I, I remember um, I didn't get – I met him, like, right, you know, unfortunately, like, a a good friend of – a really, I don't know. I was becoming good friends with Andy Kessler, like, right before he passed because he had started surfing, and I would see him in Montauk all the time. And, you know, he's, like, a New York skateboard legend. And – I remember hearing an interview with him, or maybe he was telling me about it, that just getting off the subway and getting on the skateboard after work and just riding home, just that act of being like, you know, the wheels making contact with the pavement and feeling the vibration of the board come up through his feet and just being hyper aware of what all his surroundings were and how the air smelled and what the temperature was. Just being so outside of himself when he was skating around. It was just so... I don't know. I get chills thinking about it. I mean, it was really just, it's a beautiful image you yeah. know, and sadly passed away, but you, you get, you get what I'm talking about, right?
3: Yeah. Elephants mm-hmm. feel vibrations through their feet. And when I come to the city, it really feels like I'm in an ecosystem, like people around watering holes and stuff like that. And when I'm on my skateboard or when I'm not on my skateboard, I feel sort of naked cause it feels like I'm not doing my role or, um, moving how I'm supposed to move in the ecosystem. And I think skateboarding really allows all sorts of different kinds of people to have an extension to themselves. Yeah, it seems
5: like a freedom.
3: Yeah. Cassius and I were actually just walking down the street talking about how these feelings in nature are um, really what we try to emulate when we do these different things to try and get in the flow state. And I think skateboarding is one of the most prevalent ways to do so, because you mimic the wind, you mimic the ocean, and you sort of, you're your own pulse and frequency moving forward. That's awesome.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: What else besides skating are you into? I like drawing. I like reading. You I like songs.
2: You guys are really into music, and that's one of the things that actually I... I wrote down like mm. I'm, I'm not going to like ask you what your favorite band is I mean because that would just be impossible but yeah no way how, like is there a, this is an interesting question when it comes to music because it's so it's such an important part of our family and I know that you know music resonates with a lot of people but was there like a pivotal moment in your life where you heard a song and you just felt different it was, oh yeah yeah what, what was your song hit 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 me with that memory
5: there's tons of songs I mean my dad puts on he used to put on a ton of like he like an annual summer gig where he'd do it in like a uh like where they would store taxi cars and what? um it'd be like an annual thing like a big party like it was kind of like a highlight of the summer and um I mean there's just tons of different tracks but like because they all emit that same, like, rhythm and bass line, but, I mean, there's that one song, that whistling song, you know? Frankie Knuckles, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That gets you off your feet. I mean, it's, like, such a flow state. I mean, every song with a beat, that's, like, what attracts people to clubs and things like that, but, like, I love any song that gets you into that state, but is like, also soulful and, like, Mm -hmm. just, like, I don't know. It just, like, makes your, like, heart start jumping up and down. And how how
2: old it. were you when you heard that song?
5: I don't know. I don't know. My whole life, I mean, I don't really have, like, a certain age But memory. you re- you
2: remember being in the taxi cab garage hearing that song.
5: Always, yeah. Like, like a song would we'll be playing, then he like, switched the vinyl to the other song, and then I'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm so stoked that that song just came on. And, like, it's, like, irresistible like it's just like you can't help but just like kind of like get giddy and like I don't know just go along with it what about
2: you Cosmo
3: my dad used to play Japanese metal in the car for my little brother and I and to this day that's my favorite album it's called A Fact of Life by Fact and they speak in English but you can't always tell (laughs) I've heard that.
2: Um, How old were you when you were driving around with your dad listening to Japanese metal in the car?
3: Probably longer than I can remember. That's awesome.
2: What about you, Miles?
3: I'm I'm trying to think,
6: and I'm I'm not actually sure because I'm thinking about all the classics that would be played in the car, just like driving out to Montauk and stuff, like Radiohead and The Smiths and all that. But I have this um one very distinct memory of when I was younger listening to music. I um it was when Gangnam Style had just came out and and I um (laughs) I bought the song on iTunes like 4.99 cents and I was listening to it in the car like looking out the window and I was um I was kind of drowsing off (gasps) and I just remember like I was in this emotional state (laughs) that I had never experienced before (laughs) Mm. and I was I was like in the state between being awake and asleep and like I don't remember if I was like tearing up or not, but covering. I was like it transcended me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: My man was tripping to Gangnam Style. Exactly.
6: Whoop
5: whoop whoop whoop. At,
2: like six years old.
6: <laughs> I think it came out in. Uh, I was probably like maybe nine or ten. I wasn't even that that young, but I just remember that experience so vividly.
2: I do remember you like memorizing that song and then like changing the lyrics around a lot to like sort of fit whatever you were interested in oh, at no. the time or person, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. Around. It can be
5: any song, you know, mm-hmm. for anyone. Music's awesome that way. Yeah, I remember, so my first
2: memory of the song that was like resonated with me, I was probably like, God, it was in like 1978 or 1979, and I was in my parents' house, and this guy who lived in my neighborhood, Tim Schmidt, was like walking down the street with a boom box and he had wow. uh, Jamie's Crying" by Van Halen playing and he was hanging out on the corner underneath the street lamp with like the other teenagers in the neighborhood and my ears could just like through the window glean like what you know the just the that that guitar riff by Eddie van Halen yeah <laughs> I was like that's the coolest thing I've ever heard <laughs>
6: <laughs>
2: yeah and then I went out and bought a at you know Van Halen record the next day to play on my record player. That's you know, awesome.
6: On this music tangent, I kinda wanna drive this forward and um ask about first live concerts. Oh uh, that's a great question, mm-hmm. man. I mean Cosmo, you wanna you c- expect to kick it. that
2: off?
3: I don't remember anything before I saw the OCs. Wow <laughs> That's <laughs> yes. that's valid. That concert was nothing <laughs> next was a concert level. before I saw that concert.
2: That's a fucking great answer, man. Great answer. Like, you had no idea what you were getting into, did you?
5: No. No. You either. I definitely didn't.
7: (laughs) (laughs) If anyone listening has the opportunity
2: to go witness the OCs live, please do not miss it. I mean, it is the most cathartic. Two drummers. Chaotic. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was just
5: bananas. We all reminisce on this because we all went to the OCs, Greg and Miles and his couple couple homies like reached out to us to go and see them and we never seen anything like it. And it was in a small venue, where was it? At the the Warsaw. The Mm -hmm. Warsaw. And it was like my first mosh pit, maybe Cosmo's first mosh pit. For sure. And yeah, it's just like that experience was so crazy. Then we went to a diner after, (laughs) 24 hour diner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was your first? was Charlie, Hank.
2: Yeah. And who else is with us?
6: Cassius Cosmo, me, and you.
2: Yeah, that was a good crew.
5: Yeah, I got pit. I got, I got singled out by this like six six dude who was wearing like a tank top Knicks jersey, and he was singling me out the entire time. Dude, his eyes were bulging out of his head, <laughs> dude. And this dude was huge, like ripped, like he definitely worked out. Like this dude wasn't <laughs> just like for some reason strong. Like he, he was like he a was regular. A he was an absolute unit, <laughs> and he was he was by far the tallest dude there, and like. I don't know. I just remember being totally singled out by this dude and pushed. I was like, this is crazy. Didn't, I'm... Some, didn't some girl punch one of you guys?
6: Yeah. Oh, my God. I think she punched Charlie. <laughs> yeah, she punched him in the face. For, like, no reason at all.
5: Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. People get into animalistic states.
2: Yeah. No, wait. What? No, you. your buddy had a sound bite. Everett.
5: Everett, yeah.
6: He. Um. We went to a show recently. We saw Fuzz, which is... um. Ty Seagal's second band, where he's uh, the drummer, and there was a mosh pit there as well. And after the concert, Everett said, Mosh pits are a universal language. Mm-hmm. I was like, Yo. Yeah,
2: that's a good one.
5: I was watching the Queen Duck, the newest Queen movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. And during Live Aid, like f- Freddie Mercury was like, It was like the We Are the Champions song, and he was singing it, and everyone was like repeating it back to him. And it was like the sea of people at Live Aid. And it was so, it was like all these people who don't know each other, like singing together in unison, like screaming, we are the champions. It was such a s- cool, I, if, I would recommend going to watch that movie just to see that visual. It's so cool. It's such a uniting moment. Mm-hmm. You got to look for things
2: that unite you, you know? Mm. And, and there's all, they're just around all the time. Totally. That's good stuff, guys. First, first concert. Do you remember what your first concert was? That you cared about. I,
6: I there's two first concerts. I'd like to say. I think the my official first concert, the first time I saw live music in a space, was um, wait, what was it again? It was, oh my god, Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez, right? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was like I went to the Barclays Center. I saw Selena Gomez. And- she was actually really good so it was a sick show but yeah. my first like real small venue rock show which i consider concerts now was guided by voices at um white eagle wow. hall in, in new jersey too it was, yeah, like, in jersey, it was kind of a far drive um but that experience i was a freshman in high school and i i for some reason i was feeling a little um uneasy about going to the show i don't know why but um
2: Yeah, because it was a bunch of, like, old, like, white dudes that are, like, the fan base of...
6: (laughs) Yeah, I was the youngest kid there by far. (laughs) Guided by voices,
2: and, like, I'm dragging you to this show with two of my homies, and we've been listening to the band for, like, 25
6: years. (laughs) But just, I remember, Dad, when you ignited that mosh pit, like, that image is just ingrained in my mind. It's such, like, a visceral experience that, like, I'll never forget that feeling of, like, the song playing the like the riff and cut out which starting like it's just it was insane
2: yeah there's it's 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 an experience this live music in general, like feeling the um, the flow and the 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 commonality or just the magic that happens within the crowd, you know, where everyone is feeling the same thing or mm. so miles and I saw the idols pretty recently. Those guys at Terminal 5 just completely tore the roof off of that place. They had everyone in that whole crowd feeling what they were feeling. And talk about, like just to bring it back to honesty for a second, they might be one of the most honest bands I've ever heard in my life. Just brutal, sheer honesty in what they sing about, how they emote, uh, just how they connect with the crowd. I mean, it was really just beautiful I mean yeah. I was I was psyched for weeks after we saw that show
5: that's so cool yeah it's like what I was thinking when I saw the queen document uh queen movie Like and you're just saying it's like when it feels when you're watching an artist who isn't like sure they might be seen as a god or immortal or like an immortal but like they're just a person and when you realize that it's just a person singing music their lyrics are for the greater humanity it's like so cool cause it's not like, oh, this guy is like some fa- like far out like character. Like he's like behind a screen or like something like that. It's like, this is a person who goes through the same stuff and is singing about it. And I just find that really cool. And we will be right back.
4: Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier
5: And now, back to our show.
2: Did you guys, just to take another turn of direction here, when you were growing up, feel like where you were growing up was your place? And, you know, did you fit, did you fit in there? Yes or no? And how did you deal with it if you didn't? And how did you deal with it if you did?
5: Uh, hmm. You know, I'm a pretty easygoing dude. Like, I can fit in, but like, I definitely had friends out of where I lived, like my OG friends, like some people live in California, and some people that lived other places that I really connected with. So I knew the connection of real friendship. And throughout my school years, like it was so fun. Like the people I hung out with, it was it was fun, I guess. Yeah. But like I really like per se, like my people I mean they're yeah. I mean I we I grew up in a small pond of people. So um I kind of just went with that and I didn't really know and I just kinda like fit in. Like it wasn't like forced or anything but it definitely like now that I am who I am realize that like who I am now and the friends that I have now are so much more real and like the relationships I have is like so much more real that like I guess looking back maybe I could have had more friends that I could connect with at a deeper level or or it's just like more of like a like a crew I guess I didn't really have a strong crew when I was growing up so I guess I could have had more of a crew for sure Mm-hmm. What about you, Cosmo?
3: Yeah, I mean, growing up, I definitely had friends scattered here and there. And um school friends, you know, like elementary school friends, middle school friends. But it seemed like I'd always be jumping through groups and it didn't it didn't mean that I was any less friends with anyone. It just felt like there wasn't anything grounding the relationships. And as I grew up, mm-hmm. the friends that I kept were the people I connected with through activities, you know, like surfing or being at the ocean or skateboarding or music mm-hmm. and um, having those vessels for things, I think really showed me and all my friends that we were in control of the world that we were in. And now where I'm at is I'm sort of trying to change the place where I'm at so that it's a place where everyone can fit in. Um, I mean,
6: my experience has been totally different. And I think that's completely just because of the environment. And I mean, growing up in New York City, no matter what you're interested in, no matter, yeah, no matter what you're into, you're going to find your people. They're out there. It may take a while, but you will find them. And, you know, growing up and going to school, like I always felt that I had a posse of people that I could rely on. I had a, I had a group, I had a squad. And even if that group changed, I was always super tight with those people, and um, I always felt supported by them, I supported mm-hmm. them as well. We, um, we moved as a unit, and you know those were really my people, those were my brothers, and I still feel that way now. Like I feel that I'm pretty well acquainted with everyone, but with my real core group of friends, like I love those kids so much.
2: I think it's interesting, and, and like whether you guys realize it or not. You know, the older you get and the more you learn about yourself, and the more you start looking inward and getting comfortable with who you are, other people start to pop up in the periphery of your life Mm -hmm. and you can look back at people. I mean, listen, you got to know yourself enough to not know yourself, right? And the person who you are now at 18 years old versus even who you were at 15, which was three years ago, or look at your 12-year-old self, you know,
5: <laughs> six yeah. years ago. It
2: feels like it's a, it's a lifetime ago. Yeah, right, crazy. But as long as you just stay on the path of, like Cosmo was saying, like vibing with everyone, Yeah. the mm-hmm. less you are concerned with yourself, you're not walking down the street just thinking about like seeing what's only in front of your face, you know. And this is thing like we talk about it a lot in at home is the more you are no one, the more you can become everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying necessarily that you have to be friends with everyone, but when you're sort of letting go of this um, view of how you view yourself and not attaching a role to, you know, I'm Cosmo, I'm Cassius, I'm Miles, this is who I should be. And just being that person, all of a sudden people start popping up in your life that are sort of on that same path as well. And it's really hard as an adolescent or a teenager not to be focused on yourself because you're always wondering, what is the peer group thinking about me? Yeah. Like, where do I, Like, how do those kids see Mm -hmm. me? Like, where do I fit in in this community?
5: Totally,
6: and that's how I felt. Yeah, everyone feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone is so caught up in their own heads.
5: Yeah. Once you get out of it, that's what I'm saying. Like once you get out of it, you look back. Yeah, like just everything you're saying, it's so true. Yeah. And then the more you get out of yourself,
2: yeah. The irony is the more you get into yourself (laughs) and the other people that are not into themselves either. And all of a sudden you have this this crew of people that are just sort of like Vibing on whatever it is that's going on around them that they're interested in, yeah. And none of it is, you know, a universe that they're the center of.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's what,
5: that's what marbles is.
3: That's what marbles is. That's what marbles is. Nice community, community. There can't be one marble. <laughs> can't really I mean, there can be marbles <laughs> but in philosophy. Marbles, yeah. If you think of marbles. At least for me, I think of just a tub of marbles. Like there's so many, each one has a different design. You could pick any one and look at it and say that's a marble, but it's but it's part of all these marbles,
5: interconnected. You know, all that good stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: So you guys are sort of stepping off into the land of of higher education, and you know, pretty soon here in lives. Is there anything that you when you think about the experience of going to a university, going to college, whatever. Is there anything that other than just having the experience, is there something that you're thinking about going like heading into it that you want to get out of it? Cause I listen, I, I'm I was totally guilty. You know, I grew up in New Jersey in the suburbs. I wanted to get the fuck out of there. I wanted to go to Colorado. I just wanted to like party and ski and just be a degenerate. And I wound up like dropping out of school after two years. Like I just yeah. didn't take it seriously at all the fact that you took a gap year and got whatever out of your system and then came back and said, you know, yourself, I want to be here. means you're going to get a lot more out of it.
5: Yeah. It's like going into school. I personally, like I, people have majors that they want to study in. Like I don't really know. Like I like, I've my photographer. I like to farm and like, (laughs) I like to be like, I love to learn about like right now, like what I'm into is like health and uh, oh, my bad, Uh, like uh, farming and photography (laughs) and (laughs) um, like arts and like creative uh, things that I can go into. I don't really know what I want to go into, but my mindset about school right now and why I picked where I'm going, which is Bard, is like I know if I put myself in the right environment, things will happen like I know over like the things that excite me is like the only thing that's from this very moment forward is time like I'm growing and I know I can't predict anything in that certain like landscape and that's what excites me because I've learned so much stuff in my life that I never thought I would learn I never thought I would learn it that way so putting myself in the right scenario to learn spontaneously is what I'm looking at very cool
6: I guess I'll say that I'm really excited to just meet a lot of new people and just meet just a crazy cast of characters. Totally, um, yeah. Because I feel like you can really learn something from every person that you know, you know? Everyone has something that um they can offer to you. And I'm just like, I'm just really excited. It's also just going into a new place. I'm going to be in New Orleans for college. I'm excited to get down with the culture, just everything about it, just exposing myself to... A completely new realm with different people i'm just i'm excited for sure mm-hmm.
5: mystery
3: yeah it's like hard to even keep myself calm thinking about thinking about the future um there's so much but um i was visiting chicago the other day to sort of check it out because i got accepted to a college there and i was at the skate park sort of taking a break and i sat down on a bench next to this lady and um, we exchanged smiles and then she just asked me, what is the intention for today? And I was like, wow. And I and you know, I really wanted to give her an answer. And I sat there for like a minute or so and then told her just today, caution. And she was just laughing, like, is that part of skateboarding culture? Like, I don't get it. And um, I was like, it's part of my culture. And she was like, I get that 100%. And the the conversation sort of went on, and it got deeper, and she was sort of just asking me, like, where I'm at in life. And I said I was following my will. And she was looking at me, and she was like, well, what's your will? And I was like, to follow my will. And she was like, well, what's your will? And then I was like, (laughs) oh. And since then, I sort of realized, like, Following what it is is just as much following as it is discovering and finding out what it is that you're looking for.
5: Yeah, totally. Like you were saying in your last podcast, um, churning the butter, you know, churning.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that was uh, but uh, Lorenda was talking about.
5: Yeah, like kind of encapsulates what we've been talking about. Like is if if you do what you like to do, and it's a positive project that you're working on a project positive like impact on the world, what you're doing. If you're like your daily practice is like moving forward with something you enjoy. Like if you like dedicate yourself to that, you're just churning the butter and like these things mm-hmm. just happen.
3: Yeah.
2: Stick to the fucking practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I, funny. We actually have that like tattooed on <laughs> me somewhere. That's all I talk about every day, all yeah. day long. Anytime, like, anything goes really well or, like, goes off the rails, it's just mm. stick to the practice because no matter what happens, the practice has your back, which totally is the same less. thing as saying the universe has your back, which is the same thing yeah. as saying, like, you have your own back. Like, like, no one's coming to save you. Just stick to the, whatever that practice is. Yeah. Like, so let me ask you a question. Like, would you guys consider yourselves spiritual humans at this point in your life?
3: There's so many words for it there's so many words for it but i can feel it in my body that i'm here experiencing life and it's more than just the experience and there are forces outside of myself that that and those forces are what i'm made of and what we're all made of and i can i can tell that i'm part of a larger cycle mm-hmm and that my life is is for me to experience and for me to go through with. Yeah, like, once you open your
5: eyes, like, to how crazy this world is, like, everything that's conventional doesn't make sense. And, you ha- like, for me, I was like, how does this make sense? And then last year, actually, um, I wasn't really into, like, well, not really into it, but I wasn't, like, knowledgeable on like spirituality or like higher selves or like consciousness or like just like it's funny because that is who we are and it's funny that some people don't realize it. I didn't realize it for a while and once you awaken to it you're like whoa what is this thing what is going on for me everything started to make a lot more sense like last year when I took my uh gap year I went to California to visit some friends who my one friend is like involved in this thing called He's not involved in it, but he practices a lot of things and listens to this dude named Paul Check, who's like a holistic health practitioner. And, like, he, I started listening to that when he talks a lot about, like, self-finding and, like, just, like, realizing the scope of the world and, like, alternative methods and, like, stuff like that. You don't have to get too into it. But, like, I just, like, started to realize all this stuff. And I was, like, super mind-blown. And I started to do, like, energy work, like Qigong, like traditional Qigong and, like, meditation. And, like, I mean, if you trust your gut, I trust my gut. Like, it just, it's such a like, amazing feeling. And, like, it has, it's obviously something that's just, like, unknown, but it's so known. And it, it's so curious. Like, cur- it makes me so curious. So mm-hmm. I totally believe in it.
6: I, I'm just thinking about that idea of, like, gut feeling because there's uh, something so primal and instinctive about just trusting your gut and the crazy thing is every time you trust your gut it's always right at least for me it's always been like that and it that's like something like Cosmo is saying like you just can't explain that like you can't come up with the reason for that just trusting your most primal senses and just going with going with how you feel without thought, without thinking about something, just your initial body's reaction to something. Yeah. And just trusting that and knowing that how you feel is right and just leaning into that. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Is but, that
2: is that what spirituality it is to you?
6: I don't know if that's what spirituality is to me. I don't think that... I don't even know if I'm at a point in my life where I could define what spirituality means to me. I think that spirituality is something that i learn more and more about as i have more experiences and as i grow older and maybe i will never be able to define it maybe maybe i'll be able to come up with my own definition for it but i Mm -hmm. think that with where i am now i couldn't put a label on it
2: yeah the experience at least my experience is you know the more you know the less you know Mm. and that's a good thing to lean into totally
5: yeah i mean the world is so vast i mean Thing that trips me out is like, look at a plant. Like, what? Who made that? (laughs) No one. Earth made that. And I'm just like, what? How? I don't get that. How did
2: that happen?
5: (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like the unknown that has to be like, it's so obvious, but from being in like, like modern, our modern world, it gets so like thrown in the back of everyone's focus because it's, we're kind of in like, a survival mindset just like or like not even survival like it's just like not part of the daily conversation and it's Mm -hmm. crazy because like go to like some random like nature preserve in like africa and like there's only lemurs and like animals there (laughs) and like there's no like world around you they're supplying food or supplying anything and like you start to like look around and it's crazy like it's so not you
2: can make it part of the daily conversation whether or not people will you know choose to interact with you so i was in um i was in dallas last week you know for work and i started talking to one of my clients about like the you know like interdimensional connectedness After we were talking about like our forecast for where oil prices are going to be and like macroeconomics, and yeah. he's like, I think some of it landed on him, but you know, yeah, just get out there and plant those seeds in the other humans, yeah. you know?
5: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be some like foreign stuff, it's like literally just emotions. I feel like like energy pulsing through you. It's like we're all energetic beings,
2: and not being afraid to discuss it with people when you feel that way. Yeah, like I said before, like. It's okay to be vulnerable. You know, like yeah. you guys are are young men going about in the world and mm-hmm. I don't even want to fucking use this word cuz I hate the phrase so much. Like do not be like this that that term like toxic max masculinity. Like forget about that. You know, just how about like heroic masculinity where you're just okay with being who you are and it's okay to Yeah. Being you know,
3: strong means to bend.
2: Yeah. Be mm-hmm. vulnerable, you know. Be be fearless. Yeah, You know, and know that like you're going to have to stand up for other people in life, you know, and it's be, be the hero in your own life.
6: Vulnerability is a sign of strength, not weakness. And I think that that's something that we get twisted up a lot because vulnerability is always associated with doing something that's scary. And doing something that's scary takes a lot of strength.
5: Mm-hmm. And when you're vulnerable and you do something that requires yourself to be vulnerable, that's when you grow. Like, for me, I was with Cosmo and his uh, girlfriend, Naya, who's also my good friend, and we were in San Diego, and we went on this, like, maybe not scary hike to all people, but, like, I'm pretty scared of heights, and I felt pretty vulnerable. I was, like, in my shoes. I was slipping everywhere. There was, like, a little drop, and, like, I had to stop tons of times, and I felt, like, so out of control. Like, I, could, I had no control on what to do. I decided to be cautious, and, like, those moments, I realized, is what makes you grow so much, mm. getting out of your comfort zone. Getting uncomfortable, yeah, that's right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like you sp- poet your poetry speech today,
6: exactly. Like
5: it
4: was
6: crazy before that speech. I was um, I was pretty anxious and nervous. Like my heart was beating out of my chest, but just the second I stood up to the podium and just started speaking, it was like the clouds parted. It was crazy. Everything else, I was completely focused in that moment on just performing the poem and just reading it. And I was just completely in the flow state, completely in my zone and all of my anxiety went away and I just calmed down and was able to. It's
2: a beautiful poem about transformation. And it was almost like what came out of you was bigger than you and needed to be, for whatever reason, the universe said, Miles, you need to share this with other people because they need to hear it also. You were, thrust into that flow state you became the conduit to share that message of transformation you know and i don't know yeah i'm very proud as a dad
6: (laughs) i was i was kind of uh voluntold i would say into presenting the poem i was i was given an option but i wasn't really given an option i my teacher was pretty much telling me to do it and um I mean, I was nervous before, but looking back on it now, I'm so glad that I went up and did it. And I would have regretted it so much if I chose not to.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Listen, I'm so grateful to to know you guys, and you know, to call you my friends, Same. and just to be sharing this ride.
5: Same. Mm-hmm.
2: Riding around in the meat suit. It's crazy. Cruising around the sun at sixty-seven thousand miles an hour.
5: You know what? Why not? Why, <laughs> Why not, not explore something that's out of your comfort zone? You yeah.
2: Know? Uh, we're doing this podcast. You guys are here, you know, yeah, being vulnerable yeah. on the microphones, talking about stuff that, you know, maybe mm-hmm. normal teenagers don't talk about with their friends, or maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe your friends do.
3: We do. Yeah, good. yeah we do. Yeah. Good. I mean, Way
2: more evolved than I was <laughs> when I was your age. Uh, I wanted to world. backtrack
3: really quick. Bring it. I wanted to go back to those lemurs in Africa.
5: Oh, those things are sick.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um Dude, they're amazing. And I, I just wanted to talk about that knowing we were talking about earlier. And I think, you know, the more you think, the less you know, and there's a lot of levels to it, but the lemurs in the jungle, they know what to eat. Seasonal. And the plants know where to go for the sunlight. And to me, that's what spirituality is. It's that knowing, that innate knowing that guides you. Ooh. And I think that the more, the more you accept your responsibility... To be honest to yourself, the more you really, really know. Because if you're ever in a pickle, you just have to ask yourself, what do you know? And you'll think you know something, and then you'll question it. And then you'll find the root of what you really, really know, and you can go from there.
5: Connecting to, like, the natural flow of life. Mm-hmm. Something I heard interesting, which isn't really... Of, it is of this topic, but just, like, when people make art or something, like, to make... It's related to, like, adding life to life. Mm. And um, I feel like spirituality and all that stuff is, like, adding life to life. Mm-hmm. Because it's so... D- it's like the universe. It's so deep and crazy. And I don't know. It's just, like, such an awesome thing.
2: You guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and dropping some very, very deep knowledge. On, on myself and on the people listening to this it's I mean I'm so happy you guys are
3: here thank you for having thanks, us dude. Yeah, thanks dude I'm
5: grateful
2: uh, do you have a favorite flavor of ice cream
5: Woo. ice cream coffee
2: really more than the Van Lu and Honeycomb do you like oh, coffee dude, better I forgot
6: about <laughs> dude,
3: that dude I was just
5: thinking about that Not nah,
3: Van Leeuwen and Honeycomb
6: like, yeah, yeah you, that's the
3: craziest flavor I don't know. I'm trying not to think about ice cream right now. <laughs> I'm abstaining.
2: <laughs> Valid answer. Cash?
5: Simple
3: chocolate, like dark chocolate's pretty fire. Legit. Oh, I have an answer. Almond ice cream? Hit it. I couldn't resist. You got. You guys don't know it, but there's this brand called Cado, and it's this avocado ice cream, <laughs> and they make it in a chocolate flavor, and it's so good. Dude, express it. It's so good.
5: Alrighty. Also? Yeah banana ice cream dude I knew you were going to oh, say man. it I was oh, waiting man. for that answer it was, yeah oh man that's a whole other story but banana right ice on. cream well listen oh, man.
2: you guys thank you so much for coming down massive thank you to Joe yeah shout thank out you to Joe, Joe. thank he really you Joe mixes all of these and he sits in this hot studio and listens to like hundreds of them every week and he's just they wouldn't happen without him so Joe thank you and they sound amazing really man's a wizard behind that board
5: It's crazy to be listening to the podcast while talking on podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right,
2: everybody out there, drink good coffee, listen to good music, and be kind to the humans. Thank you so much.